Faithful Trinity Disclaimer The opinions, views and beliefs expressed are those of our guest speakers and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Mindful Trinity or the policies of the company thereof. The content of the show does not constitute any legal or medical advice and is provided for the general insight and guidance. If you require specific legal, medical or any professional advice, you should contact a specialist or a qualified practitioner. Please note, Mindful Trinity is a non-religious, non-sectarian organization and we are not affiliated to any religious organization. So welcome back to Mindful Trinity. Good evening. Our special guest for tonight is the founder of Sattva, which is an organization dedicated to uplifting the consciousness of the world. He is a well-renowned spiritual leader, a spiritual activist, a teacher and a practitioner of Bhakti Yoga. He is also a musician, a speaker, a counselor and author of popular books, such as Uplift your, your, Yourself, Change the World, so Martin Hauser is from Florida in the USA and is here to speak to us about transformation through forgiveness. So welcome to Martin Hauser. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so grateful to have you on this platform. Glad to be here. Glad Thanks. to serve. Welcome. <laughs> Tell us more about your organization, Sattva, and what does Sattva mean? And also what led you to start such an organization? Yeah, well... I began practicing what is known as bhakti, devotional yoga, when I was 19, based on the teachings of Bhagavad Gita, which many people know about. But Bhagavad Gita is basically the essence of Indian philosophy and spiritual practice. So I started out living in an ashram like a monk and rising early, four o'clock, chanting every day and, and teaching as well. Right from the beginning, we were asked to teach. And I was seeing how this would transform people. Uh-huh. And um, so many people were coming looking for something. We're all, you know, what's life about and so forth. Uh-huh. So it was so gratifying to be able to help them. Then I got married and then I had to kind of shift from living those principles within an ashram setting to living in the world. And that was, it was a little bit challenging because it was a different environment. And it took a while to master that. <laughs> and so, what I'm doing now with Sattva is taking those principles in and helping people apply them, even people who are practicing them daily, but helping to make that transition. How do you apply it in family, in work, and so forth? Because most people find it easy to apply in a, in a spiritual environment, at yeah. a temple or a church or a holy place. Yeah. But applying it in the real world, <laughs> so that was the idea behind Sattva. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and the idea of making the world better, you can't make it better. We can't make it better if we individually don't become better. Sure. So, so sattva, you could just say sattva is a higher state of consciousness, a mm-hmm. pure, it means pure. Actually, it's, it's a Sanskrit word, which means good, but it's mm-hmm. a state of consciousness mm-hmm. or a platform from which we can graduate into a transcendental spiritual state. So... My idea was, my, my thinking was after about, I started Sattva maybe after being a practitioner for 40 years, of seeing how there there's certain truths which most people intuitively understand. It's just, it's not your religion, my religion, it's just, it's like gravity, it just mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. But people need uh, guidance to make sense of it all. And so I was fortunate to have learned from my spiritual master and other teachers and have studied it. And so it kind of, you know, mixed it down into something which was digestible and which would make sense for people on a practical level. Mm-hmm. And it would transcend religion and, and bring in spiritual principles that you would find weaving through all religious traditions, like the essential principles, not obliterated by ritual and practice. Mm-hmm. So, so that was the idea behind that. You actually speak about, you learn from your spiritual teacher and other teachers advice do you uh, can you give my audience and if they're actually interested in looking for a spiritual teacher do you look for a teacher or do your teacher finds you 
It works both ways. Okay. But I would say, you know, when people want to get married, mm. they, they, they should know who they're looking for and they should know who they're not looking for. Mm -hmm. But I think the element that they forget is that they have to know who they have to become to be qualified to be the husband or wife of that person they're looking for. So, so looking for a spiritual master means you're looking for someone who can answer the most important questions in your life, isn't it? You know, yeah. why am I here? Where am I? And, and how, how do I elevate myself spiritually? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, my qualification to become a follower, a student, mm -hmm. a disciple. So you know the famous saying, when the disciple's ready, the spiritual master will show up. So that, that's half the equation. Mm -hmm. um, Bhagavad Gita says you should search for someone who can enlighten you, not just one person. Mm -hmm. the, more, the more the better. But traditionally, in spiritual cultures, everyone would have a spiritual teacher, because just like you have a teacher of music or art or English or whatever, mm -hmm. you need a teacher of the spirit. So it's not it's not so much different, it's just a different subject, a more important subject, an essential subject. But one should look for someone who's qualified, and then you have to know what the qualifications are. Can wow. you know, that person enlighten you, guide you? Does he understand you, inspire you, help you transcend or solve or heal mm -hmm. your challenges, your problems? Yet to actually speak about forgiveness, so getting more into that, what is the real meaning of forgiveness? There's, there's, you know, there's different ways you can look at forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I've taught forgiveness for about 15 years. And as a teacher, I've just kind of evolved in my understanding. Mm -hmm. So I, I could give you so many definitions. Wow. But let's, let's just, let's start with a few uh -huh. of my favorites. Mm -hmm. um, one, one of the definitions is that you're, you're giving somebody something they haven't earned or they don't deserve. So you're giving kindness, but they really, in a sense, earned your angst mm -hmm. by the what they did towards you, how they treated you. Mm -hmm. And and so sometimes if you return the favor with the same favor, no one will fault you and say, well, you know, they deserve it. That's how they treated you. Mm -hmm. But forgiveness is you forego the right to give them what they deserve and you give them what they don't deserve, which is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But it helps them, obviously, but it helps you because now you're acting on a higher level of consciousness. So like I say, well, if someone hurts you, no one's going to say, well, it's wrong if you want to retaliate. Mm -hmm. But in the in a spiritual sense, it's wrong. In a sense of making the world better, it's wrong, because if we all retaliate, even though we're justified, we're going to destroy one another. Mm -hmm. So that's one definition um, from from a very spiritual level. It's 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 inherent within the nature of the soul or pure spiritual being to be forgiving because the soul has divine qualities and God's the most forgiving. I mean, we're not perfect and God forgives us. So if he's forgiving us, shouldn't I forgive others? So so from a, a psychological perspective, forgiveness means to take responsibility for how you feel. Okay, someone hurt me. I feel hurt. What am I going to do now with that hurt? Am I going to control it? Am I going to uplift it, purify it? Or am I just going to lash out because that's how I feel? And so a lot of people have this problem. It's common. It's, it's, a hum, it's the human condition mm -hmm. that I act on how I feel, even if that feeling is not what I should be feeling, yeah. or even if that feeling is going to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. So, and then another beautiful definition that I love means to give up all hope for a better past. Mm -hmm. Give up all hope for a better past, because when someone hurts us, then we're thinking, I wish it didn't happen. And why did it have to happen? And mm -hmm. now that it happened, there's so many consequences. Yeah. So it's like, obviously it happened. And so we're still living in that dimension that it, oh, why did it have to happen? And it's, so it's hard to live our life because we're still stuck on why did it have to happen? Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that saying, give up all hope for a better past, I think it's, it's so obvious, but it's so difficult also, right? Mm -hmm. Like it already happened. Get, like we tell our friends, get over it. Easy for us to say, right? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but when we say that, we're saying, 
you know, you can't hope for something different. And that person may never change and may never apologize, mm -hmm. but you can process it in a way where you won't be disturbed by it. And so that's that's the real key of forgiveness. It's, it's your process mm -hmm. without depending on another person, how, how, how they process it themselves, mm -hmm. whatever. But you don't have to depend on that to yeah. process it, to be able to forgive. Absolutely. When you actually put in a situation where someone hurt you and yeah. it is so difficult to, to forgive. So why would you say it's so difficult to actually forgive? And how do you uh, advise us in order to forgive that person in order to move forward? Well, the first thing I would say, and I could say many things, but the first thing I would say is be careful what you say, mm. <laughs> because because what you say generates a belief, or, or sometimes it's a reflection of an existing belief. So if I say it's difficult to forgive, that must mean I have a belief that it's difficult to forgive because I've tried and, it's, and it was difficult. Um, but by saying it, we reinforce it. And the fact is, it's if, if you go through a process and gain a proper understanding, it's actually not difficult to forgive, but you have to have those tools. So the first thing I would say is tell anyone, don't say it's difficult, even if that's your experience, mm -hmm. because you're going to reinforce that and you're going to make you, you will think, well, maybe this is going to take lifetimes. Mm -hmm. So we have a seminar and we do it. We do it in a weekend. But not only do we do, do it in a weekend, some people within the first few hours forgive resentments that they've had since they were children. So um, I would say a lot depends on how invested you are in forgiving, mm -hmm. how well you can mature emotionally. Mm -hmm. And it also depends on beliefs you have about forgiving, because let's say it's your uncle that abused you. And so you might have a belief that, well, I could forgive if it was just my boss or mm -hmm. some guy in the street, I could forgive them. But this is my uncle. He's supposed to love me. So we have programmed sometimes beliefs about forgiveness, which make it impossible. Like we, I call them rules. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's the rule. If it's a relative, you can't forgive. So now that's programmed into as a belief. And then you'll say, well, it's difficult. Why? Because I have that rule. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I can't act against that rule because that's my rule. So sometimes it's just a rule. But again, it doesn't have to be difficult if you can go through a process. And then ultimately, you're hurting yourself more than anybody. So why would you want to hurt yourself? You say, okay, it's just, let's say, we'll just go with the idea it's difficult to forgive. Okay, let's go with that idea. All right, it's fine. It's difficult to forgive. But by making it difficult, by making, by telling yourself that and sticking to that idea, you're, har you're harming yourself. And whatever emotion we have towards another person we experience that emotion, right? So maybe I'm justified in being angry with someone who abused me. But the but the problem is I experienced the anger. So it, it's said that when you criticize someone or you become angry at someone who's done something wrong, you punish yourself for their fault. It's, it's interesting because it's so true. It said you won't be punished for your anger, but you'll be punished by it. So it's you know, it's it's really important to understand that um, it just not, I think we all understand it. But to, to reflect on if I'm compassionate towards you, I experience compassion. That's a very high state of consciousness. And it's a very satisfying state to be in. If I am resentful towards you, I experience that resentment. And it's a very low state. It's a very painful state. So it's like instant karma. So it may be difficult to forgive, but why harm yourself? Now, I want to take it to one more level. Because as a teacher of forgiveness, it's my duty to scare you a little bit. So I'm going to scare you a little bit because it will help you. I think we all understand the body-mind connection. And if you don't understand it, look in the mirror and you will see your mind and brain is connected to your body. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> there must be something going on there, right? So if you study anything about psychology and emotion and resentment, You'll, you will understand that this is very unhealthy. Strong anger, 
resentment, envy, and so forth. It's very unhealthy. It, it can cause cancer and so many other problems. So just, just on the physical level, be kind to yourself. Let go of the resentment if for no other reason. There are better reasons than that. But this is a byproduct of letting it go. But what, what does it do to your spiritual connection when you hate other people? Because everyone is the son and daughter of God, and now you're hating one of them. And they're all dear to him. So, you know, do the math. I hate somebody that's dear to somebody else. And you say, how can they be dear to God, even though they've done something wrong? Well, they're all sons and daughters, and our sons and daughters do things wrong, and we still love them. So when we talk about divine connection, we can't divorce it from connection with other living beings. And the interesting thing is, when you look at virtues, you know, compassion, kindness, integrity, most of the virtues are actions which are engaged with other people. So, you know, to be divine or spiritual, it's, it's mostly about engaging with other people. And, and when people say, I, you know, I can't practice spirituality at work, I'm like, come on, you have to tolerate people. You have to be kind to people who aren't kind to you. It's such a good place to practice spirituality, but they just haven't defined it that way. So that's one of the things I learned from teaching forgiveness. It's, it's something that you can bring with you 24-7 wherever you go. And if you want to get close in your divine connection, you have to respect and honor and love and be compassionate towards other people. Would you say the ego has an impact on us or actually stopping us from forgiving? Yeah, because we want to be right. The ego is, wants to be right. Yeah. And so, okay, I don't deserve to be mistreated. That's understood. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I can't fault anybody for feeling that way. But... <clears throat> The ego has this tendency to want to get back. Mm. <laughs> you, you hurt me, so I want to see you suffer. Mm. Now, <laughs> that, that's okay if you're just an ordinary person who's not practicing spiritual life, who doesn't claim to be spiritual. But if you claim to be spiritual and you think that way, there's something wrong with that picture, isn't it? Mm. Right? Like, I want to get back at you, but I'm praying to God every day. You know, like, mm. No, no. It, it doesn't work that way. So ego wants to be right. Ego wants to dominate. Mm -hmm. And ego can block the quality of compassion, the quality mm -hmm. of forgiveness, because mm -hmm. we'll think they don't deserve it. Or the ego will say, well, when they apologize, I'll forgive them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, what if they don't think they did anything wrong? They're never going to apologize, and then you're never going to forgive. And you can go to your grave full of buried with resentment. Is that mm -hmm. what you want? So, you know, we have to look at these things. I find if we look at these things from a spiritual perspective, it makes more sense. When you look at it from a material perspective, mm -hmm. then revenge makes sense because that's the name of the game. Let's sue this guy. Let's get look at a movie. It was all about revenge. This sure. guy hurt you. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's normal. Yeah. I was trying to understand why people get stuck. And one of the reasons they get stuck is they look at it logically. So they'll say things like, well, this person hurt me so much they do not deserve my forgiveness. Mm. And so, okay, from the material perspective, maybe that makes sense. Like, why should, like we're saying, why should I give it to them? Because they abuse me, they don't deserve it. But from the spiritual perspective, you don't say those things. So it's, it's in many ways, it becomes illogical materially to forgive because it has a spiritual logic which sometimes contradicts material logic. Mm -hmm. So that, that can help people a lot, just, just to ask yourself, am I looking at this from a material, logical perspective? And is that why I can't forgive? Because it doesn't make sense to my logical thinking. Mm -hmm. But if, um, as you may know, in the United States, in the southern part of the United States, there was apartheid. We didn't call it apartheid, we called it segregation. Mm -hmm. And so I think about 1964, finally it was abolished. And so just like in South Africa, the all-white schools now became multiracial. But none of the African-American kids wanted to go to the white schools because nobody in the white schools wanted them. And so they're going to be bullied and ridiculed. But there's one little girl, <clears throat> six-year-old girl, she decides to go. And they had to hire the marshals. These are like, you know, these are almost like military, they're like police, almost like military, to protect her because they were afraid people were going to, could be violent towards her. And, and so she'd walk in and they'd call her all kinds of names. And, um, and then they would come after school to walk her out. And this was going on every day. And it was the same marshals walking her in and out. 
And while people were calling her name, she was saying something under her breath. They said, what are you saying? She said, I'm asking God to forgive them. And the, and the marshals were completely amazed. They, and they said, why? Why would you do that? And she said, well, don't you think they need to be forgiven? Yeah. So that's the spiritual perspective. It doesn't take into account materially what they're doing. It takes into account spiritual principles. Like everyone deserves to be forgiven. Everyone should be forgiven. It's my duty as a spiritual being to forgive despite whatever they do. Doesn't mean I'm going to dance with them. Doesn't mean I'm going to take them home. Doesn't mean I'm going to kiss them. Mm -hmm. But it means that they deserve forgiveness. Now, I may end up taking them to court because they're dangerous, even mm -hmm. though I forgive them. And this mm -hmm. confuses people, but you can do both. Your heart can stay forgiving, but practically you can engage in what you have to do to um, take care of yourself. Awesome. So in terms of forgiveness, does the person need to be in front of you physically in order for you to forgive them? Or can it be done via a letter or something like that just to help you, you know, yeah. get over it and for you to move yeah. forward? From my experience, you don't even have to tell them you forgive them. And the problem is, as I said before, if you tell somebody I forgive you, and they don't think they did anything, <laughs> then they're going to get offended. So that's a decision you have to make. And then if the person is no longer alive, so you will, ex when you forgive, you will experience this emotion of resentment leaving your body. And you'll understand that whether I actually communicate to that person or not is going to be my choice. Mm -hmm. It's not necessary. Um, um, I will have to make that decision. If you're going to do that it, and, and you're not sure that they know they've done something, you might want to tell them, um, I don't think you did anything wrong, but I took it that way. Mm. And I just wanted you to know that I had resentment towards you and I, I let it go. And I, I just feel it's a part of my healing process to tell you, but I don't want you to feel that in any way that uh, anything was wrong with you. Because, because a lot of times when you have resentment, it's not actually that the person did anything wrong. It's our perception of what they did. It's our history of how we've been dealt with and then we read into situations. And so a lot of things may bother us that don't bother other people in the same situation. And we're resentful towards a person and our person in the next office is not and they treated them the same way. So you have to be a little careful about how you present it because when you go more deeply into it, you'll see your own personal issues are connected with your resentment. And that, and you realize if I didn't have this issue or these issues, I probably wouldn't be resentful, even though they did something abusive. So it's important to know that. So how can forgiveness help one to grow and to transform? I think that's the most essential part of letting go and moving forward. Yeah, I, I want to answer this on two levels, the emotional and the spiritual. Okay or you say the emotional as a human being and the spiritual. And this is based on my personal experience and the experience of the students I've taught that resentment often comes as a byproduct of emotional immaturity. We, we don't know how to well process what just happened to us. Like, let's say in this case, this person, a person was mistreated. They didn't get a lot of love growing up and now they're being mis they're being treated in their office by their boss kind of the way their father treated them and it, it it's really really difficult and they're having a really hard time emotionally so it if we're going to be able to forgive we have to be able to deal with that emotion and we have to to grow in a way that we can process that emotion so that it won't get to us it won't hurt us it won't harm us so as i said forgiveness means to take responsibility for how you feel. So, so forgiveness does one in the forgiveness process in forgiving, it does what you're forced to grow emotionally. Because if you don't, you're not going to be able to forgive, you'll just like, I'm never going to let this go. And you deserve to be punished. And I'm going to pray that you suffer and all kinds of crazy things. That's, that's your emotions running out of control. On the human level, this is interesting on the human level, in one of the books, Srimad Bhagavatam, which is considered the cream of the Vedas, mm -hmm. it says that it, it gives a list of nine qualifications of a human being, like what, what's considered civilized, like you shouldn't become angry, you should be clean, 
etc. And one of them is that you should be forgiving. So we often say to forgive is divine, but here, and that's true, but here it says it's also human. And, and one time, a disciple of my spiritual master was complaining about the horrendous acts their parents perpetrated on them. And after he listened, he said, lest you forgive, what is the use to live? Which is basically saying, if you're a human being, if you're going to live, it's just part of, it's part of what it means to be human is to forgive. Because if we don't forgive, what are we going to do? Or kill one another, right? So, and then spiritually, what are essential aspects of spirituality? Compassion, humility, um, and one of the meditations <clears throat> in forgiveness on the spiritual level is that the person who hurt me is also suffering. And on my account, I don't want to inflict more suffering on him. He doesn't deserve to suffer more, and especially he doesn't deserve to suffer on my account. But he deserves to be healed, and he deserves my compassion, not my resentment. So explained in this story of the, the scorp scorpion and the yogi, <clears throat> you may have heard the story of the yogi, the scorpions in the, a little bit of water, and the yogi, little pond, the yogi's walking through the pond, and then he picks up the scorpion, because the scorpion's going to die in the pond, and he wants to carry it out, but the scorpion bites him. So eventually, through a series of processes, he picks it up and throws it, picks it up and throws it. And each time he's getting closer to the edge of the pond, and finally he gets it out. And every time he picked it up, the scorpion bit him. And there was a man watching him, and he said, why, did, why, if you were being bit, did you continue to do this? And he said, actually, I learned something from the scorpion. He said, I was trying to help the scorpion, and he was biting me, which is, you know, don't bite the hand that feeds you. And, and then I thought, he said, well, you know, my inclination was to, you know, I'm trying to help you and you're biting me, so I'm not going to help you. That's the natural human response. But he thought, well, the scorpion's teaching me a lesson, a lesson because the scorpion's nature is to bite. So he's going to bite even if you're trying to help. So he thought, well, my nature as a yogi, as a sadhu, as a saint is to help. So I should not give up my nature to help even if I'm being bitten just as the scorpion won't give up his nature to bite even if he's being helped. And so I think that encompasses the essence of the spiritual understanding of forgiveness, that this yeah. is, it's just what you do as a spiritual being, in spite of the circumstance, whatever it is, mm -hmm. it's just what you do, this is how you act. And I think the key ingredient, as I mentioned before, but I just want to elaborate a little bit, is that people have fear of forgiving because they think that I'll have to have a relationship with that person or that person will harm me. Like well, if I say I forgive you, they're going to do it again. But you can easily say I forgive you, but if you do it again, then there's going to be ramifications. And whatever those ramifications are, whether it means separating, uh, breaking, a, uh, breaking up something, a business or whatever, going your own ways, or even legal dealings, it doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven them if you do that, because you're just doing that to protect yourself. And so if you separate the two, your forgiveness from your practical action, it will make more sense. Because otherwise we think, well, forgiveness means we have to unite, embrace, love one another. What if that person tried to kill me? Or what if that person robbed the business? He was the business partner, he stole everything. I can't trust him anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I'm resentful because I don't want to do business. Mm -hmm. It's not that I'm resentful of my spouse who tried to kill me, to, because I don't want to live with them. It's just, obviously, you can't. It's not safe. Mm -hmm. So if we make those distinctions, it's easier for people. Yeah. So that forgiving is a state of consciousness. It's a state in your heart. When you forgive, your heart is clean, mm -hmm. and now you act accordingly to protect yourself. So that's really mm -hmm. important to understand. That was actually going to be my next question, but not so much into um, known people hurting you so by mugging, yeah, like robbing Putting, yeah. a, putting a gun against your head and threatening you right, and right. maybe try yeah. to kill you. Um, yeah. What would you advise our, our viewers or audience in, in that regard? Do, have they, do they have to fight back or just let it go and pray and forgive them? Um, well, you know, it's going to depend on the individual. But okay. if you want to, if, if those people are dangerous, it's mm -hmm. better they're, the law takes care of them so they yeah. won't hurt anybody else. Mm -hmm. So... 
of course, it's a it's a personal decision. But what I would say is that I I I feel that until you forgive, you can't really deal with the people in a in a proper way. It's it's like a judge has to reward and punish. But if a judge if a judge doesn't like somebody, it's not going to work. It's a conflict of interest, right? Sure. So how can I deal with a situation like this in the best way? Which way is best for everyone? Mm -hmm. First, I forgive. And then from that place of forgiveness, I can make judgments, the best judgments, because there'll be no enmity involved. It's just what is the best for me? What's the best for them? What's best for society? Mm -hmm. So um, you just don't want to degrade it to the point of, of we want to take revenge and get back and we want to see them suffer. Yeah. The main thing is we want if you if you're on a spiritual path, you want to pray for everyone, you want to bless everyone, but it it's in that situation you describe, it's necessary that those people be imprisoned for what they did or mm. be in the hands of the law for their own good and for the good of everyone. Mm. But as as if if we end up hating people, even bad people, it's 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 an, it's antagonistic to spiritual principles. We hate what they do, but we don't hate them. And if you look at the example of Jesus or any any great spiritual teacher, mm -hmm. they'll speak out against all the wrongs people do, but they'll forgive the people who did the wrongs if the people are willing to rectify their lives. They'll accept them. It's a general principle. And there, there, there are many stories when I studied forgiveness. There are many stories of people who have been through horrible situations like children have been killed and the parents forgave the murderer. They're just incredible, yeah. incredible for levels of forgiveness. And a lot of these people were very deep into their Christianity and Christianity mm -hmm. is a core principle of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And they, there's even a story, maybe some of you have heard, a boy who was killed in a gang fight mm -hmm. and he was killed by a teenage boy. And that mother was allowed, at least in America, you're allowed to see the person after they've been convicted, you know, just to tell them mm -hmm. whatever you want to tell them to kind of put a closing on it. And when she came in to see him, he was squat, squatting down in the corner of the room with his hands over his face, like, you know, I've ruined my life. I've killed somebody. I've ruined his parents' life. I didn't know what I was doing. And she saw all this remorse and depression and suffering. And she went up and embraced him because she no longer saw him as the killer of her son. She saw him as a son of a mother who neglected him. And she ended up, when he got out of jail, adopting him and they lived together. So that's that's inconceivable, isn't it? Yeah. But but this is not the only story. This happens all the time. So the, the heart has that capacity to forgive if we tap into it. It's the healing power of forgiveness. Yes. I remember very distinctly there was one forgiveness workshop we did in London. And there was a, a young woman who, who had, I think, a, a very deep issue with her father. And she'd never gone through the forgiveness process. And she was the worst, probably, of any student I've ever had, at least the worst in that class, maybe of all time. Mm -hmm. And you should have seen her on Sunday night. Mm -hmm. She looked like a dancing, lighted up puppet. Wow. Because when she let it in our in our course we ask people to c come up when they let it go they have mm -hmm. their story on a piece of paper and when they want to let it go they tear it up and they put it in a basket we have in the front mm -hmm. so you get to see them when they come up and their expression and what's going on and when we saw her it was like someone it was like some toxic substance had just left her body wow and this healing bomb of light had entered. It was it was obvious. I mean, it was a visual thing. She went from black to to white in her demeanor, and she was so happy, like she she said, "This was like the best thing that ever happened to me." So, on the material level, the emotional level, and the spiritual level, it's healing. We've been talking about the spiritual level. You know, when when you live, when you live in alignment with what's spiritually correct how do you feel you feel amazing mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. how do you feel on the emotional level it's it's gone you know when the anger's gone the resentment's gone how, you just feel this burden yeah. 
Yeah. And how do you feel on the physical level? It takes energy to hold that down because most of us hold it down. We try to forget it. So we're putting all kinds of energy into suppressing it, repressing it, running away from it, mm -hmm. and hate and putting energy into hating that person. So just imagine when that all goes, what kind of healing transpires? It's it's incredible. It's one of it's one of the most transforming experiences, at least that I've ever had. I can't speak for everyone, mm -hmm. but there are so many things connected to forgiveness, compassion, humility, mm -hmm. kindness, and so forth, it, like spokes in a wheel. Yeah. There's so much connected to it. And there's so many bad things connected with resentment. So when you pull out the old spokes and put in the new spokes, it's a total transformation. Yeah. All that negative energy, what we call tamagun, tamagun energy in Sanskrit is all gone, this low energy and the sattva, the, the higher energy, it replaces it. So naturally, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if I fly from New York in the middle of January and fly into Durban, it's your summer and mangoes and papayas, nice beaches. Yeah. It's kind of like it's day and night. So forgiveness is it's like that in people's lives. Mm -hmm. It's just it's like the summer, the tropical summer from the winter storm. What I would say to people, if you have if you have any resentment, mm -hmm. you shouldn't hold it for another day because mm -hmm. until you let it go, you won't realize how much it's harming you. Yeah. And all I can say is it's harming you a lot more than you realize. And a lot of you may not even realize you have it because you've, you've suppressed it for so long and said, mm -hmm. no, no, it's not a problem people it's still a problem until you let it go completely so yes. you know i would encourage people if they want to take our forgiveness class or some other forgiveness class mm -hmm. to, to not think that well it's not such a problem and no trauma stays mm -hmm. within you within your body within mm -hmm. your heart is really the worst thing you could do is just try to suppress it and ignore it i think during this old pandemic a lot of us have been, have been living in our heads and also being cooped up in our homes. And yes. a, lot, a lot of these old emotions have started yes. transpiring, coming up. Yes. Yes. So I think during this entire period, people were using this time to delve within and trying to seek spiritual teachers, um, you know, yes. just to help them to let go, the process of letting go and going forward, yes. you know, yes. because it is difficult. It, it actually weighs you down. Oh yeah, mental, mental, emotional problems mm -hmm. during COVID, I think, are up like four thousand times yeah. what they normally. Are. It's mm -hmm. like inc it's incredible, but it it also shows us. I think it's showing us how many problems we're we're good at avoiding just by mm -hmm. doing all the things we normally do. Yeah, you know, you know, we're very busy. Why why are some people very busy? Because they don't want to have to face these things. So mm -hmm. just get busy. Don't forget about it. Why do we like hobbies and sports? A lot of times, so we can forget about these things. What to speak of drugs, mm -hmm. sex, this, that, you know, alcohol. Um, a lot of times that's the only escape route. And and like you rightly said, during COVID, a lot of these escape routes weren't available to us. So yes. now we have to deal with who we really are. And a lot of people are like, I don't like myself mm -hmm. or I don't like my spouse, yeah. you know, like because I'm so good at avoiding it, but now I can't avoid it. So worst thing we can do is avoid what has to be faced. Worst yeah. possible thing. And to me, resentment is like, just like a tooth, a toothache. And you've got to go to the dentist. And if you have to get it taken out, just get it taken out because you'll be relieved. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been getting to know themselves. And like you said, not a lot of people actually like themselves because they got to know themselves to be toxic <laughs> because most of the time we actually blame others for the toxic, toxic yeah, behavior, yeah, yeah. but not a lot of the times we want to take ownership of that toxic and say yeah. that we are actually toxic ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> too easy to blame others yeah. and too difficult. But the problem is if you don't, if you don't see the problem in yourself, mm. then you can't heal it. And you're not going to heal others by telling them something's wrong with them. That's that's for them to do. So it's like it doesn't help anybody. True. Do you it have just any... upsets the other person. And by doing it, you're ignoring yourself. So what's the point? <laughs> that's true. Do you have any practical ways to forgive or even do you have, do you have any steps um, to forgiveness? Yeah, yeah. 
I have 25 steps. Wow. Okay, maybe you should actually leave that with us. <laughs> we have if you if you we'll have to leave you the the link to the um to the course. We have two okay. courses. We actually have three courses. Okay. And and the last course we have three which is an introductory course. It's like an hour, which is just me talking about forgiveness like we're talking now just to Okay. to help people see if they want to take the other courses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we have a short course. It's like 4 or 5 hours. Okay. With about 9 or 10 exercises and then we have a more intensive course which is great for people who have deeper issues mm -hmm. it's uh, about 33 videos and about 25 processes and it's great for teachers also who want to teach forgiveness okay so um some of the steps we go through i will i will i will tell you the step that's my favorite okay and this step came to me one morning it was the it was the first time i taught the course mm -hmm. And it was taught in two days. I think it was four to six hours each day. And I needed a process mm -hmm. on the second day, and I couldn't think of what the process would be. So I was chanting, meditating in the morning, thinking, what will this process be? And then it came to me. It's a beautiful process, and you can use this not only on forgiveness, but you can use it in other, yeah. other areas of your life. So we had, we had everyone tell their story, like what happened. Mm -hmm. So you have your story, this happened when I was 17 and I went here and etc. So that's the story. That's just the facts, like the newspaper story, right? Not how you feel about it, but just what happened. Then, then we put them through a process where you become the person who abused you. And then you have to tell the story from their perspective. So this way, you don't just have your story, because your story is just one story. It's one way to see it. If you could see it in a different way, maybe that way, would release your forgiveness, release your resentment, because you're you, because your story is embedding it in your heart. So you have to see it differently. So then they see it that way. So they take the role of this person, say, "Well, I was just trying to do my best, and I was, you know, had these problems growing up, and I always regretted what I did, but I, I was too afraid to tell you, you know, whatever whatever you think there you could imagine they're going through. So now you have your perspective and their perspective." And then we take it up one notch to the divine perspective. So now in this exercise, you become God or you become your spiritual master or you become Buddha or Jesus. And then your partner is you and you have to talk to them and you have to tell them what happened. Wow. So you start thinking, OK, well, if, if from God's perspective or from the perspective of someone who's godly, mm -hmm. how do they see it? So naturally, you go in your mind and thinking, okay, it must be a lesson. It must have happened for a reason. Maybe this is my karma. Maybe, you know, this was meant to jolt me. So you get this whole other angle of vision and you realize that it was actually a learning lesson that you never saw until you took this divine vision. And I, and I can tell you my story. Mm -hmm. I, had, I had an issue with someone and um, they were a leader in the organization I was working in, and they had left. And they were they they were like the hub of the spoke. So when they left, there was basically the wheel could not operate not well. Mm -hmm. So and I had dedicated so much time and energy in working with them. So everything came crashing down like a building that you know just been exploded with dynamite. Just <sighs> so. This person was having tremendous difficulty in their spiritual lives, and I really, I was really disappointed in them, and really upset for them giving up their spiritual practices or giving up their spiritual responsibilities. So when I did this process, I was doing it as God, or as we call in our tradition, Krishna. I was doing it as Krishna, and I was telling myself, when this person left, you were very angry, but this person needed your help. Because what they did was not so bad. They were just being honest. They knew they couldn't maintain their position anymore. And rather than fall from that position, they wanted to gracefully step out of it without, without causing any problem for anyone. Like, like sometimes people maintain a position and they become weak and they give in to their weakness, they give in to their temptations and they do things which um, they shouldn't have done and which are very upsetting to their followers, things that teachers, gurus shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. 
So he said, before that happens, because I've seen it happen with others, I just want to step down and kind of live a normal, uh, moral, secular life. Mm -hmm. But I didn't see it that way. I just said, how could you do this? You've given up on us. You've given up on your followers and so forth. So I was really angry. So when I play the part of Krishna, Krishna is saying, you lack compassion. You should have gone out to that person and said, I'm here to help you. I know what you're going through must be difficult. And just you can count on me. But I didn't do that. I just turned against him. So and that that was after like 15 years or so or 18 years when I finally did that exercise. So that one exercise was so eye opening. Mm -hmm. When you take that divine perspective, everything changes because our perspective is very limited. Mm -hmm. we're, you know, we're seeing everything in terms of our emotions and our emotions are uh, guiding our vision and so forth. It changes your perspective. Yes. But I think in, in the moment of anger, we don't think clearly and no. we make all these decisions well, haphazardly because we yeah. are controlled by, by our anger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. But, but the best advice I can give for that is yeah. you have to practice when you're not angry, mm. <laughs> how to control the anger. I just read something. <laughs> I think it was written by a musician. Yeah. He said, he said, you should always practice to be ready. So when it's time to do it, you're, you don't have to prepare because you're always ready. Very true. So, 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 you know, it's like you don't go into the boxing match, you know, and it's okay, I'll prepare, you know, now that I'm in the ring. No, you preparing for months or years. Mm. So I found in my own spiritual practice that it's so hard to prepare in the ring. Mm. But if you prepare, outside of the ring to understand your anger, your emotions and why you you experience them and so forth. Then when you get into the ring, you're much more introspective about it and you're much more controlled about it. And and if you can if you can grasp this vision like I God saying I put you in this situation to learn this, mm -hmm. then whenever you're in a similar situation from that point on, you won't get upset because you'll realize, oh, another lesson. He put me in for this lesson. Right. But until you realize that you'll just get upset so that that's the value of doing processing all your your problems mm -hmm. at the gym so to speak not not just waiting till you get in the ring because mm -hmm. you don't win the game on the field you mm -hmm. win it in practice and i can't emphasize this enough because what you said is absolutely true mm -hmm. when you're in the battle if you don't know how to shoot that gun <laughs> you're going to be killed so um, I have found in my own life, I try to change my perception of things mm -hmm. so I don't get upset, mm -hmm. so I don't become resentful. I don't. My ego doesn't take over. I've just like re, I've I've retuned in my channel, so to speak, mm -hmm. so that I'm looking at a channel for which I can get the consciousness I want to maintain, rather than the channel that's going to make me resentful or envious or greedy or lusty or whatever. And so everything we look at, you can look through that channel. Okay. So how does it, how long does it take to come to a point where you are completely ready to forgive? Uh -huh. um, my spiritual master was once asked a question. He said, well, this one person said, how long does it take to surrender to God? And he said, a moment. Wow. Of course, that moment could take lifetimes, but mm -hmm. it, it's, a lot of it is in the decision. So in, in the forgiveness process, as I observe it from a teacher, it only takes a second, but it might have taken the whole weekend to come to that second. But once you, everything lines up and you go, this makes sense and that makes sense. Like everything I said today, it lines up, it goes in deeply, and all of a sudden it's just like it happens and it's not conscious. It's just your heart opens and you let it go. So I've seen it happen uh, with some people in five minutes, mm -hmm. just with I talk to them for five minutes and it goes. Some people after the whole three days, they need to do it again. It's 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 every we're all different. Mm -hmm. So there's no time frame. And, and, and when people say it happens slowly over years, mm -hmm. if you say that, that's probably because that's your experience or that's what it's going to you're going to make it be that way. But my experience is that it doesn't have to be that way because 
that the, how you forgive is you you rewrite the story of what happened mm -hmm. so once you rewrite the stories god wanted me to do this or i was meant to learn this or i mistreated people in this way and i didn't realize it and i only realize it now because it's coming back and actually his behavior was just a reaction to my behavior but i didn't realize it because i'm not aware of my behavior and so you're going you're rewriting this whole story and you come out with a different story and this story is not a story of resentment anymore yeah. it's a story of forgiveness yeah. so it's really it's really just a question of what it's going to take for you to rewrite that story how long is it going to take because once once you can get to the point of rewriting the whole script you no longer have a resentment script you have a forgiveness script and once you have the forgiveness script that's it it's going to remain your whole life okay and and uh -huh. you're going to you're going to proactively forgive from that point because now you've developed a consciousness of forgiveness mm -hmm. so nothing is going to harm you anymore like you're asking what if uh you know there was some crime committed on me mm -hmm. but once you develop that forgiveness mentality then it's it's like rain falling on a raincoat it's not going to touch you it's only going to get the raincoat wet wow. so that's the beauty that's the beauty of practicing forgiveness it's mm -hmm. like a lifetime warranty mm -hmm. lifetime protection against ever having resentment that's like that's amazing but it's yeah. true i was actually about to ask you whether our mental conditioning impacts our you know our duration or the length for us to take to forgive or come to the point of forgiveness Basically, it was revealed to me and i said this to the, in the class to everyone i said if god came to you and said i will take away all your forgive all your resentment would you mm -hmm. let him do it and she had to think about it and she realized probably i wouldn't and that means she realized that i'm i'm holding on to it so deeply i'm i'm in this consciousness that i can't let it go even if i go through all the processes to yeah. let it go yeah so so we have to understand that we're holding on to it and mm -hmm. we can let it go at any time it's not holding on to us we're holding on to it it feels like it's holding on to us but we're actually holding on to it. So yeah. that's an important distinction to, to make. And when yeah. you realize that, you realize, okay, I can let it go. And that's a nice question for all of you to answer. If God came to your house, knocked on the door and said, I'm ready to tell your resentment, will you let me? And if the answer is, I have to think about it, then mm -hmm. got some work to do and reflect on that. Why? Why am I unwilling? Yeah. You know, what's going on inside of me? And especially, especially, if you're on if you're doing a spiritual practice or a religious person mm -hmm. this is really bad because this is diametrically opposed to everything your tradition teaches you yeah yeah i actually realized um during my growing up years i would say when you're actually resenting the need to actually forgive another it's like you're hurting yourself i actually heard the saying by another spiritual teacher he basically said when you not willing to forgive the person that actually hurt you it's like you holding onto a hot coal and you only yes. getting burnt you're not the other person is not getting affected but but only you and your nelson your great nelson mandela made a classic statement which is quoted frequently mm. that resentment is like drinking poison hoping the other person will die yeah wow hey. so it's the same idea the coal and the, yeah it's mm -hmm. so that's exactly it's exactly what it is mm -hmm. and you know what nelson mandela said when he was let out of jail when people are saying like you must have so much resentment mm -hmm. for these white people that put you in jail and he said he said if i allow myself to be resentful i may be walking out of jail but I won't actually be walking out of jail because I'll still be in the prison of my own resentment. Mm -hmm. So both of those statements are very powerful. Yeah, absolutely powerful. What has been your biggest challenge as a change maker? Because what you are doing right now, it is changing the world. Yeah, yeah. The biggest challenge that I see for myself and every spiritual practitioner, like everyone in the world, is, is running into this this situation where you know what to do, but you can't do it, or you don't have the, for for one reason or another, you're not able to do what you know you should do. And so as a spiritual teacher, we give knowledge, but, and I try to teach in a way, and I try to encourage people in a way that don't just learn something, but learn 
how think practically if i am going to live what i have just learned what would that look like practically how would how would that look like at the office how would that look like in my marriage you know sometimes we find people who are so-called very spiritually elevated but they're not nice people they don't treat people well they don't treat their family well and we look at that and say this is such a huge paradox how can you call this person spiritually advanced and i can see that they are in certain areas of their life very very dedicated spiritually but how they're dealing with other people it's a total paradox and so a lot of what's happening is that spiritual knowledge isn't translating into it's not translating into how would this look on a day-to-day basis if i'm practicing humility or i'm trying to become free from ego well what is what is that going to look like when i'm in the office when i go to school in the family when i'm interacting with people in a long line and i'm i'm impatient okay. or that the, the person at the checkout is you know taking too much time and i and i'm late for something okay you're supposed to practice compassion tolerance kindness and so forth how are you doing right now in that field a lot of us don't think that way because we don't think of spiritual spirituality practically we think of it ritualistically well i did my pujas i did my meditations i did this and that so i'm spiritual yeah but what did you do the other 15 hours of the day how did you treat people how did you treat yourself how was your patience? How was your sense control? How do you use these or your challenges to strengthen you? By by um, forcing me to become self-reflective. Lovely. By 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 forcing me to to tell myself, say, wait a minute, you teach all these things. Are you doing them? And what kind of sham are you if you're teaching and and not doing it? And that's why teaching is so valuable. Because if you're going to teach it, you you have to you have to be what you teach. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so valuable. And it I think it also comes with age because I've been doing bhakti for 51 years. Wow. And so in the beginning, a lot of it was external. Like mm-hmm. I could do I could do the things. I could do the chanting and I could do mm-hmm. the pujas and the ceremonies, and I could give the classes and I could do the service. Mm-hmm. But the internal environment was not yet mature. So as you get older, you reflect and say, okay, I mastered the external environment, but the internal environment was neglected. And so I think it's a natural process of aging that you say, okay, the quality of what I'm doing internally was lacking. And that's, that's really the most important thing. Like in the Gita, Krishna says, offer me a fruit or a flower or water, make an offering. Mm-hmm. but do it with love it's not just the object that you're offering but it's the love that the object is carrying that's the most it's not the object is not important it's the love with which you offer the object it's not you know where they say it's not it's the when you get a gift it's not yeah. the gift it's the thought yeah. so for me that's the that's the evolution in in my life of of realizing okay you know you say you know all these things all right you know like you say you know how to make a million dollars you're a great businessman all right Mm -hmm. well show me your bank statement it's kind of like that you say you're spiritually evolved show me your spiritual bank account i want Mm -hmm. i want to see it i tell myself that you know that and a lot of times when i'm in situations where i'm tempted to say or do the wrong thing i think all right god has his video on me now he's like looking on his big screen saying okay what are you going to do would you say that was actually one of your pivotal moments that has um, shaped your journey? Yeah, I think it's one of the most personally, okay. Okay. because I think it's 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 the I think it's when you get there, then you're you're getting to genuineness mm-hmm. on the spiritual level. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, your or it comes it comes about looking becomes about looking spiritual, but not actually being spiritual. Yeah. Um, what's what are your hopes and your dreams for Sattva? And our education in every language of the universe. Wow. <laughs> and and help people connect with their spiritual nature and be a support system for people on the spiritual path. That's really what we do. We just mm-hmm. we're giving guidance 
and support like how how do you practice what you're learning that's mm -hmm. that's how we support people and um we introduce people to meditation we have uh courses on forgiveness self-esteem um and or develop always developing new courses uh, i just did a course on resilience about how to reframe the way you see the world so you want the world won't knock you down but you'll knock it down so to speak mm -hmm. so we're Sat was always trying to trying to help people grow as as quickly as possible it took me 50 years to 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 be able to have the realizations that i teach now but i can teach someone who's 20 years old mm -hmm. who doesn't have to live 50 years before they get them and to me that's 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 a great blessing yes. that here take what i learned take the mistakes I made, you don't have to make them. And you can evolve. You can evolve very quickly mm -hmm. by following, following the path that all of us followed. We just took it in a very crooked way. But <laughs> we're, we're getting we're getting there. Yeah. But you can get there much faster. So that's, mm -hmm. that's the idea of Satwa make it easy, easier on people. Yeah, because, yeah. because there's so much emphasis on materially becoming materially successful. Yeah. So we minimize the spiritual side mm -hmm. because of the pressure. You know, you've got to get a good ed education that you need more education. Mm -hmm. Then when you finally get the job, you need to outdo the next person and hone your skills and more education. And it's just like there's so much pressure there to just it's coming becoming now just to survive. You have to do that. And so the spiritual gets brushed aside when the spiritual should be the most important. Yeah. So we, we need people who are always reminding us of that. Absolutely. What advice can you give Mindful Trinity listeners or our viewers? Because we're actually on YouTube as well. Okay. Um, before I forget, any one of you who are dealing with resentment issues <clears throat> or thinking maybe I have a resentment issue should yeah. definitely go and check out our courses and um, this if this what we're talking about now has yeah, yeah, interested yeah. you definitely go there um my advice is would be kind of like what we just said um the spiritual is the most important understanding who you are mm -hmm. is the most important understanding what happens after death what's the purpose of your life these are the essential questions so we we all to we all to be fully humans so to speak we mm -hmm. need to be answering these questions, finding teachers who can answer these questions. And then when we evolve spiritually, then the whole planet's going to evolve spiritually. The whole planet's going to be better. And, you know, we tend to look at problems politically. Unless hearts change, then fundamental evil, the fundamental evil that is in the hearts of many people manifest externally. And laws cannot make evil people not evil. Can put a few evil people in jail, but it's not going to stop people from doing the wrong thing. So, if we all practice spiritual life, take it seriously, we will become better equipped as people to have a positive influence on others. Because the more evolved you are, the more evolved people around you will become. <clears throat> when I met my spiritual master, it was it was very intense to be in his presence because it was it was intensely transforming my heart my heart changed dramatically and i was just you know a normal young man growing up in america and just normally selfish like all kids and and when i met my spiritual master i started thinking about other people and helping them and making personal sacrifices to help them so when when we become better we have that influence on people because what's in our heart and consciousness affects people we're all affected by it knowingly or unknowingly mm -hmm. so you can do a world of good to yourself and others by evolving spiritually spiritual life should not be one hour a week in church that's not spiritual life it should be integrated 24 7 in every aspect of your life mm -hmm. and that's my big message to all spiritual practitioners or people thinking about it Spiritual knowledge is meant to be integrated 24-7. It's not meant to be compartmentalized into a certain part of the day, certain part of the week, or a certain part of your consciousness. No, it has to integrate with everything. Wow, wow, absolutely wonderful. 
with regards to your courses, are they recorded courses or are they done live? They at this point, these are recorded, so they're self-paced. Okay. And there's with the we have a forgiveness introduction, we have the foundational, mm -hmm. we have the intensive. With the intensive, there are a hundred pages of text to wow. read. So okay. if you're if you really have problems if you think I'll never be able to forgive or the issues are long uh, have started long ago and or if you've tried to forgive or you just think I really need stronger dose of medicine mm -hmm. that's the course for you and then the foundational if you just feel like I just need some help then um, no text just uh, 20 minute or half hour talks with an exercise at, at the end of each talk okay. and then the intro is just to kind of get the basic principles, which we, we got here. And then we also have a course on self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And um, we're um, doing a lot of work with meditation as well. So we'll have a lot for meditation. And then um, we just put up this new platform. I'm also doing courses for people who are practicing bhakti okay. devotion on another, on another site. Mm -hmm. So um, that's there also. We can put that aside for the bhakti practitioners. They can go there. Okay. And, um, and then at certain points in time, we will do courses which are live, or we will do coaching which is live for people who've taken the courses so they can ask their questions and kind of tweak and clarify things, which, which sometimes is, is very important to do. To uh, Martin Hauser, I'm so grateful that you actually came onto this platform to educate myself and my viewers and listeners. And I'm sure they transform their the minds and the, also their hearts, even though. It was actually such a short uh, space of time. You can go on for hours, which all of <laughs> us will, will, we actually will appreciate. But again, I'm very grateful and hopefully we actually have more of this. Thank yeah. you once again. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I hope I can be of some service to your listeners. And uh, if um, I can leave some contact information, if they have any questions, they can write me. Hi guys, I just want to take a moment to thank you firstly for supporting us on social media. If it's the first time that you're listening to our content either on podcast or on YouTube, please do us a favor, give us a like, give us a share and also review us. If, you, if there's any um, other topics that you would like us to discuss, please also comment and let us know then it will be easier for us to you know plan what topics we want to showcase in the future thank you once again and until the next time bye